Hi everyone. Welcome to See the Invisible, Living with an Invisible or Rare Disease. This is a little bit of a special episode. This will actually be the first time that I upload a video of me personally in front of the camera. I'm loading that up to YouTube. Um, I'm also going to be loading this to Facebook, um, to the See the Invisible page, as well as just to all of my friends. So this is kind of an intro for those who listen to the podcast. And then, you know, when you're listening to the episode, if you hear me refer to some of my friends or family during that, it's because I'm uploading it across many different platforms. All right. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. I'm going to do something a little different, and I'm going to try to make it short. Um, I'm recording a video to discuss something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. It's just, um, I tried to record it a few minutes ago and it ended up being close to 30 minutes. So I'm coming back in to kind of edit it down. And what I want to talk about today is an invisible illness. Now, just overall, um, the definition of an invisible illness is, you know, a type of disease or disorder that someone suffers from that is not visibly seen. But what I'm going to discuss today is an invisible illness that's just right out there in the open. It's only invisible because nobody really acknowledges the full extent of this illness. And what that is, is obesity. Now, I have lymphedema, which is a severe swelling in my legs and to some extent my arms, though not quite as bad. I'm really gonna be opening up a lot today, um, so it might be a little bit uncomfortable for me if I pause, you know, I'm probably trying to gather my thoughts a little bit, but it's something I think it's important to say. And, you know, I think for any of my friends that I have out there, I've never experienced you know, any feelings that I was not accepted this is more for you know a lot of people that I've you know, maybe come across in stores or just out in the community that I can see they're judging me. And I know if I'm feeling judged, there are other people out there who are feeling judged. So I'm doing this just so other people, if they happen to come across this video or if it's shared, that they feel like they have a voice. So I'm um, just going back a little bit again. I do have lymphedema, which is the severe swelling in my legs. That's what's impacted me most. And at times my calves have been 40 inches or more around. I am prone to infection and blood clots in my legs. But then I also have an auto-inflammatory disease. And between the medication and the disease itself that I, that I have to take, that can also increase my um, that can also increase how prone I am to infection. So once I get the infections, a lot of times I go into a flare-up of the auto-inflammatory disease, which means I may have to take another medication which decreases my immune system even more. And there's just this cycle that goes on and on. And last year, about 10 months ago, I was still trying to get over an infection that I'd had for probably a month or month and a half. And my body just is not coming back as quickly as it used to. I spend a lot of the day with my legs elevated because if I sit up you know, for even just 10 minutes, I can feel the pressure in my legs start to come back. Um, so pretty much 
that's how I spend a lot of my days. I'd love to be able to get up and, you know, maybe have a, you know, an exercise routine or something that I can do. But a lot of times it's just enough to you know, be able to cook dinner for my kids to help them with their homework and things like that. If they were, you know, really, really young at this point, I don't even know if I'd be able to keep up with them. So as far as timing goes, I'm glad that I'm a little bit older and they're a little bit older when this is happening, but still it's, it's very frustrating. That, and I know that when I go out more, say last year or before the whole pandemic thing hit, because I really haven't gone out a tremendous amount of time since then, um, but you know, I can see thoughts or judgments. And a lot of it is my legs. My legs, if you were to look at them, they don't look like a normal leg. There's a lot of swelling. If I cut them, I can actually, instead of bleeding, it may be fluid that, that you would see. That, you know, of course affects my mobility and the ability for me to do certain exercises. Then I also, for a medical reason, I have polycystic ovary um, disorder or syndrome, I'm sorry. And that can also lead to obesity. There are medical reasons that can lead to obesity, you know, even beyond just things that limit your mobility. There's hypothyroidism, insulin resistance, Cushing syndrome, and just on and on. But when someone looks at a person who's overweight, there's this automatic stigma or an idea you know unless you know that person personally there's this idea or thought that they're lazy or uneducated or unmotivated that they just don't eat right or that they just don't move around and that's not always the case but those feelings of judgment actually can lead to it you know exacerbating the symptoms so if you just like I was mentioning how I have the two illnesses that kind of feed off each other and there's this cycle. The same thing can happen when a person is feeling judged that if a person you know, has, say, you know, in, um, slow metabolism, insulin resistance, something where they're not metabolizing food as quickly as someone else and they are overweight, then to hear those judgments made against them can lead to comfort eating. Because think about it, when we're kids, when we're babies and we're crying, what's the first thing that happens? Our parents come and they pick us up, they try to comfort us. And if they're not really sure what's wrong, then we're fed. So from a very early age, that is a basic need that need to be fed. And so there's always something that we're intaking. So formula, um, milk, cereal, pacifier even as we get a little bit older. So there's just always there's there's always something there to comfort us and that's in the form of food or juice, drinks, something like that. So you know, it's just this cycle that I think is misunderstood. I looked up a few things and as far as eating disorders go, when I enter that term, the terms that come up are the ones that I think most people think of anorexia, bulimia nervosa, even pica, which is pretty much eating things that even aren't edible. It's just this need to continually eat. And, you know, it's even just random things that you find. Um, 
I know from reading things even when I was a kid about Pika, um, maybe not even, you know, it wasn't as understood then as it is now, but that's how maybe lead poisoning would happen is kids would eat the lead paint. So there are different types of eating disorders, but in no article that I read was overeating or weight management as far as losing weight ever mentioned. Now, you know, of course, anorexia, bulimia are very, very serious disorders. They need to be treated. Um, the patients who have those illnesses, they have the right, they deserve to have treatment. Um, also looking at you know, food as an addiction in some ways. You know, people who suffer from addiction deserve and need to have treatment. And what I'm looking at this as is when you're overweight, even though there's a lot of similarities in the characteristics, there's not as much access to treatment or even to understanding. So, um, you know, after looking up some things, I saw that there were over 14,000 treatment centers for addiction. And that ranges anywhere from, you know, outpatient counseling all the way up to, you know, intense inpatient rehab. There's, I couldn't find like an actual inpatient center for overeating. I'm sure there might be some out there under the, the terms of spa or things like that, but you know, nothing along the same lines as um, other types of treatment centers. So, you know, again, I want to make it clear that I think every single person who has any type of disorder deserves and needs to have treatment. I just want to see an equity there for those who suffer from obesity because it is this horrible cycle that many of us feel. Um, you know, looking at what insurance would cover, there were a lot more options again for, um, for addiction or other types of eating disorders. For weight loss, a lot of times the employer could make a decision whether or not they would cover weight loss surgery or what options were available. But that brings up another point. When you know, we discuss weight loss with our doctors, a lot of times, and not always, but a lot of times it is, you know, pills or surgery, pills or surgery. What's that really going to do? Once we get to a point where, you know, a person has lost enough weight that they feel comfortable, okay, they don't have the pills anymore. What's that going to do? How are they going to address it the next time that, you know, they feel like someone's judging them? Are they going to go eat another couple of cookies? Or are they going to really, like, you know, let it internalize and really start to feel bad about themselves? Or are they really addressing the core issue? I don't believe that core issue is being addressed. So with, or the same as with many other types of disorders, there are a number of different factors that can go into obesity. Reading through some of the articles, I did come across one that kind of threw me for a loop. Um, it started to discuss socioeconomic reasons um, as well as family history. It wasn't talking about family history and genetics, which do play a role in a lot of cases, but it was talking about how watching how your family eats influences how you eat. 
And that's true. I mean, that is, I think all of us can agree that's 100% true. We grow up feeling comforted by the foods that we ate. And then as an adult, that's kind of what we turn to. But also looking at it, they're talking about if our parents make unhealthy choices, then we're going to make those same unhealthy choices. What I thought when I read socioeconomic was the fact that the accessibility of food um, and exercise um, capabilities are totally different. Um, what I did is I went to walmart.com um, for the pickup um, grocery service and I compared the cost of two different meals. I'm just looking down at getting the prices and everything. So one meal that um, I calculated was four ounces of pasta, one serving of pasta sauce, and this is all the least expensive brand that I could find, so that it's comparable. So four ounces of pasta, um, one serving of sauce. Um, I, I chose the pre-made meatballs because they are the least expensive. It was four ounces of those. Um, a piece of garlic bread, um, that was the Texas toast garlic bread, and then an ice cream sandwich for dessert. That came to $1.29. That's a very filling meal. Um, and you know, I can just say myself, I probably wouldn't be able to eat all of that at once because um, some of the medications that I'm on tend to make me feel a little nauseated. So if I were to eat that, it would kind of be eaten throughout a long period of time because I couldn't just sit down and you know have all of that. On the other hand, I calculated getting a spaghetti squash, which that's charged by the pound, which means even the parts that are not edible, you're being charged for. So four ounces of the spaghetti squash, and I tried to do an adjustment you know, for the fact that you know, we're being charged for the parts we can't eat. Um, a serving of an organic, um, better for you pasta sauce, so that was more expensive. A side salad, um, lean chicken, so chicken breast, four ounces of that. Um, and then instead of ice cream for dessert, um, it was a serving of cantaloupe. That came to $3.99. That is $2.70 difference. For a family of four, that's over $10. So what you've basically gone from is if you're feeding a family of four, something that's about $5.16 you know, or something like that, to something that's $16 almost. That's a huge difference. If you look at that through every meal during the week, it's you know not even comparable. Most families can really only go towards you know, the one type of meal. I would love to be able to say, I'm gonna have you know, salad with every single meal this week. I might try, but it's not going to happen. Then also looking at exercise equipment, you know, I'm in a situation where I can't really get out. You know, I'm not going to walk, you know, all around my block because I would get to a certain point. I couldn't make it and I'd have to call my husband to come get me. That wouldn't be pleasant. Um, even if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, I probably would not go to a gym because of people staring at me. But if I want to get something that's in home, that's convenient for me to use, but that also goes up to my weight capacity, I can't afford that. 
also looking at the exercise equipment, even for say someone my husband's size, who's just just a tad under six foot. He always says he's six foot with his boots on, so you know, okay, he's six foot tall. Looking at a lot of the exercise equipment for in-home, he wouldn't even be able to use it. Um, it has a very low weight limit, really, um, than what I would think it would be. Sometimes only about 210 or 225 pounds. And I'm thinking if you have, you know, someone who's really tall, who's a little bit overweight, that's it right there. You know, they're not going to be able to use that. Um, so to go then to a quote unquote heavy duty or higher weight capacity exercise equipment could be three, four, five times as much. So, you know, what good is having a piece of equipment at home that only goes up to 200 pounds, which may fit a, you know, a big portion of the population, but not everybody. And frankly, if you're trying to lose weight, it might be just a little too close for comfort, even if you're not quite at that point. You might be really questioning, should I be using this? Is it, you know, um, is it going to be enough that I can use it? So that's really, really strange to me. Kind of going back to, um, to my lymphedema, I can't find compression stockings that fit. I have a diagnosed disease where the actual disease is swelling in my legs, but we can easily find small and medium compression stockings. But to actually get to the size that someone who has, you know, um, a pretty serious case of lymphedema, you can't find them. And even custom-made garments that I've had, they, they don't work either. Thankfully, I have actually found um, some from Amazon. They're not covered by insurance or even, you know, using an HSA or FSA card. They're not really, um, I guess, considered medical, even though they are. But thankfully, I can use them so that when I am um, sitting up or walking around, I do have some support. Um, are they 100% the greatest things ever? No, but they are a thousand times better than nothing. So I'm very, very thankful for those. But that's just a comparison, is that those who really, really need to have access to something don't have it. And looking at insurance, looking at all those options, there's just not as many options if you're overweight. It's not addressed in a complete manner. And, you know, again, what I'm really trying to do by making this video is trying to show support for anyone who might be going through this, who might be afraid to say anything. Um, I think as I actually start to I don't want to say get older, but let's face it, I'm getting older. That's, you know, again, one of the reasons why my body's just not bouncing back from, you know, um, flare-ups or infections like they used to, which then, of course, then affects my mobility. But I think that I have a lot to share, and I want to be able to help provide a voice for someone who's afraid to say anything or afraid that someone might think less of them because I can tell you I've been there done that I had a doctor tell me once when I went to the ER that he didn't have time to deal with me because 
He got stuck in traffic and was 30 minutes late for work. And I wondered if I were, you know, half the size I was, if he would have talked to me that way. And I know people who were in that ER that night, whether they were working or they were there for their own personal medical reasons. I knew people in that ER, but I was angry and I probably said and yelled at some things that I probably would regret. I don't remember all of them, but when I have a doctor who literally walks in, looks at me, looks at the nurse who's in there with me, and is like, why isn't she in the gown? I don't have time to deal with this. He throws a blanket back on the bed at me and says he doesn't have time to deal with that. And then when he comes in 56 minutes later, and he timed it, because I said, you it's been an hour since you've been in here. He says, no, it's been 56 minutes. I checked the chart. And, you know, he just tells you he was late for work. And, you know, it made me wonder if I didn't look the way I did, would he have been treating me that way? I don't believe he would have. Now, this was over a year ago. Um, to give you an idea, um, that infection never really went away. I had to make numerous trips to the ER sent by my primary care physician each time, um, even to the point that they were checking for a pulse in my foot to make sure I still had circulation in my foot, but they still sent me home that night when I couldn't walk on my own, when I had to purchase a wheelchair to try to get around and a walker so that I could get around the house. And again, all of these thoughts I kept having were, if I weighed less, would they think better of me? And there's, there's kind of a give and take there that maybe the swelling in my legs wouldn't be quite so bad if I were lighter. But at the same time, I do know from a hospital stay that, you know, my legs being treated, I lost over 150 pounds in fluid in a long hospital stay that was then also followed up with a stay at a nursing home when I was very, very young, but it was to try to treat my legs. And that's how much fluid came out of my legs. It was over 150 pounds. But then what happened is as soon as I got home and I didn't have the same treatment, you know, having medication by IV, within a couple of weeks, more than half of it was back, and then it just kept coming back. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of judgments made to people who are obese, and there's no thought by some. And again, I think most of the people who are probably listening to this do not fall into this category, but some will make judgments not realizing how much it actually hurts someone and then it just kind of grows and grows and I do remember being made fun of at times in high school um, I don't remember it really during college but I do remember during high school with my name being Rhonda having the word Honda put after it and you know it it still hurts in some ways, but nothing like it did then. You know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm happy. I have two beautiful boys. I have a husband who loves me. I really don't need the people who said that to me. And so I'm really hoping that, you know, if this can be shared or some support can be given to someone going through 
you know, some negative emotions about their appearance, that this kind of helps. And, you know, I've focused more on, you know, obesity, but any type of physical feature um, that someone might feel, you know, self-conscious about, you know what, everybody's unique. I like to say that if, you know, everybody were exactly the same, the world would be a very boring place. So, you know what, embrace your uniqueness, be happy. And, you know, if anybody, or if you feel that anybody is judging you in a negative way, just remember that you're strong, that you have support, whether or not you're feeling it in that moment, and that it's not your problem how they feel, it's theirs, okay? So, you know, again, this was a little different for me to do, but I really felt that it was important to. So thank you all for taking some time to listen, and I will talk to you real soon on Facebook probably. All right, thanks. Bye.